Hey there, it's Mara Schiavocampo, and you're listening to Motivated. Whether you work out regularly or someone who really watches your diet, or maybe you've slipped off the wagon or gained back some weight that you've lost, or you just need an extra push to help you stay on track, staying motivated is key. And that's why we're here to help. Every week, we're bringing you the top health, wellness, and fitness experts, along with a lot of really amazing everyday people. And it's all about helping you live a healthier and happier life. Don't want to wait until Monday for the next episode of Motivated? You can hear it three days early on the TuneIn app. Download TuneIn today and listen for free. This week on Motivated, we're highlighting some of our favorite moments from the conversations we've had so far, from a 98-year-old yoga instructor to weight loss success stories and the best fit-friendly products. We hope you've been inspired to live a healthier and happier life. So let's kick off this episode with tips from actor Morris Chestnut and his trainer from their book, The Cut. Let's talk about some of these plat these myths. Why not? Okay? Let's do it. Because you have a list of myths in the book, and then you have the, the facts. Right. Um, because, you know, what I have found is that people have good intentions, they want to see results, and they're working hard, but they're not always working smart. Sure. They think mm. they're doing the right things, but they're not, and then they get discouraged, and sure. then they just fall off. So yeah. let's go through some of the myths. Um, sure. Eating small meals will speed up your metabolism. Eat six meals a day. Eat every two hours. You hear this all the time. Is that is that true or false? Fiction. 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 It does not matter. The, the frequency of your meals is not going to dictate the speed of your metabolism. You don't have to eat eight meals a day and think your metabolism is, is going to increase. That is one of the biggest myths out there. I even thought it years ago. And then you read the science, all the science invalidates that. So it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter how many meals in all honesty, you can get, as long as you get your calories in, um, regardless whether it's three meals or five meals, the rate of your metabolism is, it's not going to affect it whatsoever. How so, many meals do you guys eat? I, me personally, I'm three meals and I'm good. You know, three meals and maybe a snack. I, I can't, I think, I don't think it's realistic when someone has a normal job to eat six meals a day. It's, it's just difficult. Right. I, I mean, you know what I mean? Right. What, what helps me is I spread my calories out throughout the course of the day because I find the longer in between meals, the more likely I am to eat something that's not healthy. Right. So if I, if I do have my oatmeal, and sometimes one thing I used to do on a set, I used to go to set and I used to eat oatmeal after I finished working out. And whenever I got to the set, they'd have egg whites and everything waiting. So I would wait till just so I felt like I was about feeling hungry, then I would eat my egg whites mm-hmm. because I wanted to keep constantly eating healthy things because the longer I would wait in between meals, the more li- likely I was to eat something that's not healthy. And on set, don't they have, like, I've never been on a movie set before. Oh, don't they goodness. have, like, tons of junk food? It, it, tons. <laughs> and I mean, literally tons. You go to work at, say, for instance, 7 o'clock, they have whatever breakfast you want from the caterers. Then after breakfast, say, I don't know, 8 o'clock, that's when craft service has everything out there. Cinnamon rolls, oh. donuts, um, cookies. They have everything that possible. And then they come up to you, hey, so what do you want? <laughs> what, do you, what do you want? I'm going to stock it for you. What do you want? You want, you want Twizzlers? What do you want Red Vines? Right. And they stock it. And then at 10 o'clock, they have the mid-morning meal, which is something that's not normally healthy. Then we have lunch, catered lunch to where there's a ton of food. So there's always a challenge of eating something not healthy on the set. Right, yeah. I can. That would be a huge challenge for me. Because if it's, it's there right. and it's free and it's accessible, you've that's just removed the all the barriers exactly. to my saying no. Not only is it there, but it's free. You right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you can eat as much as you want. Right. You know? And it's like, you know, the last challenge I had, they had a bunch of, 
I hadn't had these in years. They had lemon heads on set. Oh, you guys had oh, lemon heads? Oh, man. The candies, the candies of course. Candies lemon heads. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to have just, just one little one little box. I ate like 10 boxes that day. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, no, no good. No and that's good. nothing but sugar. <laughs> All right, so next myth. Eat as little as possible to lose weight. Now, this makes logical sense, right? But if you drop too low, you're, you're it's not going to work. Eat as little as possible. That is fiction. And the reason why is this is that you need to get enough nutrients in your body to lose weight. Research has shown that if you are on a caloric diet, less than 1,200 calories a day, you see the biggest metabolic drop. Less than 1,200 a day. Less than 1,200 calories per day. So a lot of times people think, you know, eat less and uh, I'm going to lose more weight. In theory, it does make sense, but... There is a period where if you're not getting enough calories, it's counterproductive. Your metabolism is going to it's going to slow down. So these people that are pushing these 800 calorie a day diets, 1000 calories a day, you know, 600 calories a day, it's counterproductive in terms of losing weight. So you do want to get enough nutrients in your body that's going to allow it's going to allow you to lose weight but also have you the, give you the energy to function. You shouldn't you shouldn't think that you have to starve yourself to lose weight. And I think that's what this book is, is really trying to educate people on what to do and how to eat properly, but understanding you still have to get enough calories in your system to get your, get your body you know, moving and, you know, and, and speeding up your metabolism. All right. This is one that I actually believe to be true. Um, is all the stuff you hate. The cardio is best for weight loss. The running, the spinning, the swimming... All of the ings, all the ings are necessary all the to lose weight. So you you think it's true? I I have always believed it to be true. You know, I'm an, okay. I'm a '90s kid. Okay, okay. I feel well, like it's all we ever saw. Okay, like Denise Austin. It, it is around. it is partially true and partially false. It's definitely true. Okay, but cardio alone is not. You you're not she going just to be. You said a, it. You said it in the, earlier. You can't. Yeah, yeah. No, you can't out exercise a bad right, right, without a doubt. But also to add it to that is. Cardio and weight training, you have what I'm what we were saying about that factor myth is that you have to add the weight training component. I need to, I really want to educate women think they're going to look like Lou Ferrigno if they lift weights. You have to lift weights. I'm telling you, you're not going to look like a bodybuilder, you're not going to look big. That's how that's what's going to help to speed up your metabolism and help you burn calories after the workout. Cardio helps you burn calories at the workout, weight training allows you to burn calories. After the workout, it's called the afterburn effect, the epoch effect. So weight training is very important in shaping the body, you know, shape, tone in the body. And so I think women need to kind of get that out of their head that it is very important. And they both work hand in hand. So how often, though? Because the way you feel about ings mm -hmm. is how I feel about weights. It's not that I think I'm going to get bulky. It's boring. I, I just don't have the interest in it. So how often do I have I to would do say, it? I would say if you get three days a week, you're good. Oh, man, I was hoping you would say two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know, I mean, we, you got to start somewhere. So if you started two, do something. You right, know what I right. mean? And you don't, it doesn't need to be more than 20 to 25 minutes. And the great thing about it, you don't need any weights. You could do the chair. You have a chair. You have a bench. You have, you know, push-ups. There's so many exercises you can do in terms of strength training without any equipment so whatsoever. So you would count body weight training? Absolutely. Because okay. yes. I Absolutely. do do a lot of that yes. stuff. Like what? Like, what? like what you do? Well, I do a lot of power yoga. So it's a lot of oh. planks. Yeah. It's okay. A lot yes. Of, oh, yeah. You know, yes. Yes. your body weight on your arms. Absolutely. You know, balancing. I love body weight training just because a lot a lot of times, I, you're right, weightlifting is boring. It's boring for me. I've done it more than half of my life. So a lot of times, 
I love changing it up. I love doing body weight stuff. I love going outdoors and, and going for a run or going on the track, doing some sprints, and then knocking out some push-ups. Because weight training, it's boring. It's, it is boring. I, I agree with you. Okay, you just made me feel a lot better, really, because yeah. I feel like I can do other stuff. Well, I said that to make you feel good. Well, thank way. you. <laughs> I, I agree with that. That's always a winner. Um, okay, this one is really interesting because I have this argument with people a lot. A calorie is a calorie. Calories in, calories out. So if you're eating 1,000 calories of chocolate, it's the same as you're eating 1,000 calories of salmon. <laughs> no, 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 not, 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 Wait, not. what side of the argument are you on with No, that? no, I, I believe that the quality of the food oh, is yes, is yes, yes, yes. Cal- Cal- Calories are not equal. They're okay. not all equal. The thing about it is called this, they, there's a thing called the thermal effect of food. So when you eat food, um, you're, there's a natural digestion period that happens. So when you eat food, 20 to 25% of that, 20 to 25% of the protein of that food is burned through digestion. Okay, with carbs, I believe it's about 3 to 5%, and I believe with fats, it's about maybe 10%. So 20, 30% of, prote- of your food is gone if it's protein intake through digestion. So a calorie, all calories are not equal. So you do want to focus on good quality, whole. Absolutely. Without a doubt, right. yes, you do. Instagram sensation Jessamine Stanley stopped by for a lesson on self-love. Someone who doesn't know yoga, who's interested in it, who may want to try it, what leaves you sobbing on the mat? It's coming to these moments, and it's it's the same moment, but deepened. But when I first started practicing, I would try to do the asana and I would just be, it wouldn't happen at all. I would like bend my knees a little bit and then immediately fall over. And I would get so mad at myself. And I would just be like, why can't I do this? The yoga must not be for me. It's the teacher. It's, I start blaming all these different things. And then after I've let myself have a ten- temper tantrum, which is what's happening, I would be like, okay, so are you good? Are you done? So how are you really feeling right now? And I'm like, I'm sad. I'm sad. And then it's like, okay, so why are you sad? And I'm like, because I'm, and there's a million different things that you can fit into that. But once you get to that place, that's when you're crying. (laughs) Because it's like, you start to tap into issues that you didn't even realize were problems. And one experience, I talk about this in the book, is the last story that I tell um, I'm feeling emotional even thinking about it. Um, When I was in my yoga teacher training, I did a partner yoga exercise with someone who's a lot smaller than I am. And um, I think of her as like my little yoga angel. Her name's Katie. She's so cute and like pint size, but she's so much smaller than I am. And the exercise that we were doing meant that we were leaning our body weight onto one another. And I would lean my weight onto her and then I would immediately apologize because as a larger body person, I've been taught that like I need to be apologetic for my size. And then also just, I always feel compelled to apologize. So it's basically me the whole time saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And eventually she stopped me and she was like, you know, you don't have to apologize for everything, right? And I was like, I laughed because laughing is my defense mechanism. I laughed and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I guess I'm just apologizing for existing. This is the first time I've ever said this out loud or even consciously thought it. But it was during this process where, like, we're practicing all the time. I'm building this fire within myself. It's called tapas in yoga. It's the fire that burns away the parts of you that don't need to be there. And so I'm very emotionally vulnerable. And I also want to point out that everyone was in an emotional state during this time. So it wasn't abnormal. But I said that I don't. I'm apologizing for existing. And she kind of cocked her eyebrow at me and kept going. And I was just stuck in my tracks. I was like, are you kidding me? You're apologizing for existing? You don't think you deserve to exist? And that's something that 
I would blame on so many other things in this life. Like I blame it on my job. I blame it on my partner. I blame it on my family. Like all of these reasons why I'm upset. But if at your core you think you don't deserve to exist, where else is that coming into play? And I just started crying and I cried for the rest of the practice. I cried through Mm -hmm. Shavasana. I cried in my car. Like I could not stop. And it wasn't crying like... I'm sad. It's crying like I need to release this. Mm -hmm. And then once you start to release, not, and this isn't me saying, I still apologize for everything. I still am working through this. But to just acknowledge it and to see that is so deep. And that to me is the reason to practice Mm -hmm. because even though it's ugly and it's dark and it's not fun, it is so worthwhile because you can actually get to the root of what's going on inside of you. Yeah. Pushing it down is not effective. <laughs> no, not at all. And we all push down so much. Yeah. Yeah. But it comes back in some way. I feel like Always. it's like water. You know, you can't if, if water is diverted, it still goes somewhere. It's going to go somewhere. And speaking of yoga, we also met 98 year old yogi Tao Porshan Lynch, who proved to us all that age really is just a number. What do you do when you encounter someone with negative energy? Well, I I usually go on and uh, first of all, I ask them to come in and tell me all their problems. I say, now we've got it. Now we can wash that away. And now we can do some yoga. And now you can do everything. And I have a little lady. She's 90. She's had problems all her life. They were going to operate on her. And I say, don't yet. Let's do some work. I'll work on your feet. And I'll bring your energy up through your feet, like this, up and everything. And, you know, Sunday the other day, she came in. She was just made for her 90th birthday. She said, you know, Sunday Tao, I feel better than I when I was 25, 26 years old. Mm-hmm. She said, I remember that because I was I had such pains and everything. Work on your feet. Your feet are wonderful. It's where the life force begins. It's the roots of everything in this universe. Mm. You know? And what are the lessons, do you think, in the yoga poses? You know, sometimes in yoga, I'm terribly uncomfortable. I want to stop. I'm having trouble getting that full deep breath because of the way my body is contorted. What are the lessons in that, in, in pushing yourself to uncomfortable places physically? Just stop for a moment. I'll stop for a moment. Don't let your mind continue there. And if you can, just take a few breaths. And as you do, just think, I'm coming up and I'm going to flower. I'm going to, there's nothing I can't do because this power that's in me is the door and I'm the instrument. So whatever happens, whatever, even if I'm feeling, get out of bed and the, the sun's not out and I love the sun, doesn't matter how hot it gets, I don't even put air conditioning on. I, I love the heat and I feel it. And I, I think the, the beauty of the atmosphere in this, this universe is something that we can tune into. And you also believe that negative thoughts have a negative impact on your body. How? Because everything you put in your mind materializes. So when you get up, don't even say, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. One minute after midnight, it's already today. Don't say, I procrastinate. So I never procrastinate on what I want to do. When I come in and I look at 
all my students, and I'm so excited to see all of them come in there and really think that I can possibly help anybody. To me, that's what I'm on this earth for. Not, not to spend my time thinking of all that can go wrong. Tune in and know that nothing's impossible. And tell me what you mean by that, nothing is impossible. Well, because nothing is impossible, that as long as I'm on this earth and I'm breathing correctly, that energy is continuing throughout my whole body. I just feel that I've been allowed to, to live here, and if, I, if I'm able to do this and help anybody, then, I, then I've had a reason for living. Otherwise, why are we spending all our time on negative thoughts? I don't waste. I don't want to waste time with it. Mountain climber Colin O'Brady, who told us the best way to tackle any challenge is just to take things one step at a time. So we're here today with with Colin O'Brady. Now you're a two-time world record holder, the Explorers Grand Slam and Seven Summits speed records. Two-time world record holder. Congratulations! Thank Thanks you. for being Thank here. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. So first of all, tell us what those are. What what the world records are for? Okay, so the Explorers Grand Slam is sort of a coveted mountaineering prize. So it uh, comprises climbing the tallest mountain on each of the seven continents, collectively known as the Seven Summits, as well as completing expeditions to both the North and South Poles. Um, about fewer than fifty. 50 people, about 50 people now have completed the Grand Slam, and I aimed last year to become the fastest person to do that. So I completed all of that in 139 days. So you haven't just done it. You've been the fastest person to do it. Yeah, the fastest person to do it. Only a couple people have ever done it in under a year, and I did it in just about uh, four and a half months, so 139 days. Wow. And how do you even begin to train for something like that? Yeah, it's pretty tough. You know, um, my background growing up, I was a swimmer and a soccer player. I went to Yale University, swam there, and then uh, by sort of a bunch of different circumstances, ended up racing triathlon professionally. So that was my background, sort of endurance sports of various capacities, and uh, evolved that into this mountaineering project. So really having that big aerobic motor uh, helps a lot when you're not only climbing one mountain, but have to have that endurance to go back to back to back for over 100 days. So that was a big part of the climbing, but or the training, but it was uh, a hard thing to train for. You don't really, can't really simulate what it's like to be on Mount Everest <laughs> or be at the you know South Pole dragging a sled across Antarctica or whatnot. So that was was, uh, you know, a lot of new surprises during the journey. But are there things that you do to sort of simulate high altitudes or to get prepared for the temperature changes? I mean, is there a way to prepare somewhat? Yeah, I mean, certainly I, you know, I did some things in terms of climbing other mountains uh, to prepare some other mountains in Nepal, some high altitude climbs there as well as the cold. But Honestly, my first stop on this whole journey actually was Antarctica, where it began. That was uh, your the, first stop. First stop, yeah. So I, I, the, the little, this little tiny plane drops you off in the <laughs> middle of the Antarctic pla- uh, plateau. Then they drive, they fly off, and you're put in completely alone. And then minus wow. minus forty degrees is the average temperature there. So and you were alone. I was on that expedition. I was with a couple other people, so various people, and sometimes I was alone on various these expeditions. But you know, minus forty degrees. The only way I can really describe that is I took a cup of boiling water from my tent and threw it into the air, and it instantly turns into ice. So that's oh uh, imagine walking through that day after day, dragging a hundred and fifty pound sled behind you with all your gear. It's, uh, but when you say <laughs> you were with a couple other people, how many people were with you? So on that part of the expedition, um, for 
the South Pole expedition, it was me and three others. So four of us. So total. four of you, and yep. four of you that there there are no like rest stops. There are no, no. like There's you are by yourself. Oh yeah, it's like you are looking in all directions. It's just like endless white in every direction. And of course, down there at that time of year, it's 24 hours of sunlight. So the sun's directly overhead. So it's kind of like it's cool to look at for a couple of minutes, and then you realize it's like the most blank canvas ever. So your mind is free to just wander in a million directions um, as you walk sort of in a straight line across this frozen landscape. And God forbid you need help. Is there a way to have that plane come back for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously this there's some dangers in all of this, but uh, Antarctica has a lot of safety measures in that there are some scientific bases and some infrastructure on various parts of the continent. So if worse comes to worse, obviously try to avoid that at all costs. Um, there are some, you know, airplanes and helicopters that hopefully could come, come pick you up. So you have satellite phones and things like that just in case. But fortunately, we didn't have to um, have that happen. But psychologically... That must be kind of one of the bigger burdens when you're dealing with something like that, that you're alone, that you're in an unfamiliar territory. The sun is shining 24 hours a day. It's freezing cold. How do you manage that? Yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, I mentioned there was a few other people with me, but because you're so cold and everything has to be so wrapped up, I mean, you don't have no exposed skin, so your face is completely covered. There's not a lot of talking. It's not like you're walking side by side having a chat. You're really pretty much in your own headspace. We're only stopping for a few minutes at a time just to take a quick drink of water, a bite of food. Um, and if you're outside, if you're not in what the tent. What do you eat in Antarctica? Yeah. <laughs> you know, freeze-dried meals a lot, uh, you know, different things you can cook easily, but you're carrying everything with you. So every pound of food that you bring, uh, you're dragging along with you, and then you're melting the snow uh, for water. So you got to bring fuel with you as well. So you got to be pretty conscious about what you bring. But you're burning a ton of calories. You know, when it's that cold outside, you could burn, you know, five, six thousand calories a day easily. Um, and even that might not be enough to replenish you. So staying hydrated, uh, eating, food, eating, you know, enough calories is uh, pretty crucial to success. Do you try to bulk up before something like that? Um, I did a little bit, although um, not so much. Uh, over the course of this whole project, I think I lost about ten or fifteen pounds, which is um, I had to keep eating in, in all of these places to be able to stay to sustain sort of the endurance of all of this. And Ginger Z and Jenna Wolf reminded us of the importance of carving out some time for yourself. I mean, look, motherhood is empowering. You're bringing a child into the world. It's not that's no small feat. It's an enormous thing. And if you do nothing else but shelter, feed, and love that child, that in and of itself is an unbelievable accomplishment and more than a million people would ever do. But you add to that taking care of yourself and making yourself stronger and making yourself smarter and making yourself better and trying to sleep and trying to care for your spouse and trying to keep your family together, especially when your children are little. I mean, I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you right now. Like, you have a five-year-old and a one-year-old, one yeah. and you have a one-year-old. So you guys, you're kind of out of the worst of it, and you're not quite there yet. Like I feel like a two and a three-year-old, the three-nager. Like we're in the we're in the worst of it right now. <laughs> it's really hard. I'm really stressed. Like I don't sleep at all. Steph is constantly traveling, and we kind of look at each other sometimes, and we're like you know, this is the family. Like, we did this. If we <laughs> bail now, like, there's nothing left. Like, you know, so for people out there that feel like they're at their wits end and I'm never going to get back in shape and I'm never going to do this, you're not in a race. But you need to carve out time for you. And I don't care if it's 30 seconds or one hour. If you do not carve out some period of time for you every single day, your system will fall apart. It has to be. If you don't find the time, 
Make the time. Make the time. I don't care if you wake up five minutes earlier. Even if it's five minutes of zen, of just Mm -hmm. meditating, of doing nothing, and that's where you start. There has to be a day one because if there's not a day one, there can't be a day two. And if there's no day two, there's no day three. So you have to start. So if you're listening, start today. Go for a five-minute walk. That's it. At least you did something. And every day say to yourself, something is better than nothing. Take care of yourself first. And Ginger? I think and then you hit on the meditation. But to me, that's what's changed the most. And maybe in motherhood is where I learned it. And it's not like I didn't work with Dan Harris and didn't, you know, (laughs) hear about meditation a long time ago. But having that, the approachable things that you can go to on those days that feel overwhelming, having those moments where you say, all right, today's a yoga day and that's going to be okay. And knowing that there's strength in that and there's but you still moved and you still ate well and you still did um, checking off the the positives that you did are much more helpful than saying this is what I didn't do and I've gotten a lot better in the mental space with myself because if I was how I am today not just body wise or whatever but you know 10 years ago I would be a puddle I wouldn't be able to (laughs) and that's but that's the strength you're talking about that's the motherhood and I think I've become not only a better woman a better partner for for Ben and a better just person in general because I'm I'm a lighter person. I, I have light in my eyes. I have purpose every day. And giving yourself a little pat on the back is pretty important. Yes. Well, we give all our mommies pats on the back. Yeah. I, I believe in, you know, the sisterhood of encouraging one another and loving each other. Staying motivated is a 24-7 job. Let's keep this conversation going. Send us your questions by using the hashtag motivated or tweet me at MaraCamp. Help spread the motivation by taking a moment to give us a quick review. Just click the link in the description of this episode. New episodes post Monday mornings. And don't forget, you can listen to motivated episodes three days early on the TuneIn app. New episodes will post on Fridays. Download TuneIn today and listen for free. Motivated is a production of ABC News. Thanks for listening. I'm Mara Schiavocampo.